When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to be discussing the Eagles' loss to the Ravens, the Travis Fulgham experience, and we're going to ask ourselves, can the Eagles ultimately rebound and produce a similar story from the past two years? Chris, how are you doing today? I actually feel eerily calm right now, Mike. It's uh, after seeing the way this team was able to come back and actually nearly take this game against the probably one of the top two or three teams in the AFC Really not too bad. How about yourself? How are you feeling? Well, you know what? I knew this was going to be at least a loss today because I it, it, it was a series of unfortunate events. So I forgot to set an alarm last night. My wife thought the game was at four, so she thought I was sleeping in. I woke up at <laughs> 930. Uh, typically on game days to give you a behind the scenes, I wake up at like 730, have coffee, kind of read some headlines and then head out the door and try to get to the game very, very early. I'm a creature of habit. So then from there, a couple of stories broke elsewhere. Uh, I wrote them up. And then I hit the door, and it was like 1045 by the time I left. Uh, I got in right as the inactives were coming out at 1130. Um, I almost missed an exit. Almost got into a crash because you called me and... For some reason, I didn't do anything. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't your fault. But you, you called me, and I was expecting a call from somebody else. And then for a minute there, my like, I'm like, why is Chris calling me? Isn't he busy? And I looked up, and a car like stopped short uh, before a turn, which was ridiculous. It would have been their fault, I would assume. Well, I mean, I guess maybe not. But whatever. Anyway, so sorry. This is going on rambling, <clears throat> and then. You know, I, I I don't know. It was just like a string of bad luck. And then um, today I published a story and published it uh, without a save being changed. And it was this whole thing. Anyway, but long story short, I'm doing well. I'm glad to be talking to you. Um, <laughs> you know, I know you got a great story for Monday morning, which is the reason why we were kind of 
pushed a tag team from opposite uh, areas. But, um, you know, the game was interesting. It was a fun fourth quarter. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. And for some reason, the fan base is extremely optimistic after this one. I think it's like you said, with the Ravens being one of the top teams in the league, to see the Eagles battling with only two regular starters on offense and Carson Wentz and Jason Kelsey score those three uh, touchdowns. Um, there was a lot to like here. Uh, I thought there was a lot to not like either. Uh, I was very critical of Carson Wentz. I thought his performance was pretty inconsistent and uneven. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, but what's your overall takeaway from the game? I think that this offense after it made a few adjustments and it got that spark from Jalen Hurts, I think that it actually started trending in the right direction, especially it seems like it's with this team, it always has to be down by two or more touchdowns in the fourth quarter before they all of a sudden get the spark. I don't know, maybe if the scoreboard operator for the next couple few weeks, go ahead and just put up 14 on the board, even though we know the score would be zero, maybe it'll go ahead and light, light a fire with this offense. But I think you saw some encouraging things when it came to there. I thought that you saw some good play. They, the, the defensive line finally put their hands up and actually affected Lamar Jackson. And I, I still think there's a lot that needs to just change on this on on this on both sides of the ball. But overall, this team uh, with who was left after the, a flurry of other injuries actually played with played with some heart and and, and some gumption. It was actually pretty good. What, what were you impressed by with today? Well. You mentioned injuries, and I think what I was most impressed by is the fact that they lost Zach Ertz, they lost Miles Sanders, uh, and both did not return. Um, Ertz has an ankle injury, and I believe uh, Miles Sanders has a knee injury, and they were still able to put up those three scoring drives without those guys. Um, look, I thought Carson Wentz battled. I thought he had three pretty whatever quarters uh, he was pretty bad in the first quarter, but he had two whatever quarters, and then he had a huge fourth quarter. Um, and I I admired the way he battled. I praised him a lot after the Steelers game because I thought he battled really hard and and played. Like, I, I, I think the mindset of this team is never going to quit on itself. I think Doug Peterson does a really good job of uh, avoiding finger pointing, at least on the sideline or in the moment. Yeah, there's been, you know, uh, unnamed sources and stuff like that who have come out and, and cursed Carson and stuff like that. But uh, in the moment, this team is very much together. Uh, they do make some big plays. Uh, they, they're they resilient. I think if you look at just John Hightower, who had a brutal wide open drop in the first quarter, then comes back in the third quarter, catches a wide open go ball for 50 yards. Carson went back to him. He showed faith in the young guy, and that's important for young players, as you know. And then I I think you look at, you know, Travis Fulgham had a pretty lackluster first half. Um, they finally got him involved in, after Jalen Hurts came in the game. He had a 20-yard catch, and then he had a, a nice catch and run as well. And came up huge uh, down the stretch as well. So, Look, I think this team battles, and I think that's all you can ask for. I was also very much encouraged by the defense. It seemed like personnel was really mixing it up now that Will Parks is back there. Yeah, I think uh, I think Parks made a big difference, and when you saw that 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 variation of the big nickel that you saw, especially with uh, Rodney McLeod at the linebacker spot, it makes a huge difference. I think that for the most part they held uh, Andrews in check, the Ravens' tight end. I mean, he only had looking at here 
Andrews had two catches for 21 yards. And we've seen in the past how much the uh, tight end has killed, have killed the uh, Eagles linebackers and secondary. I mean, he still had Nick Boyle still was able to catch a touchdown pass there in the first quarter. But I think you see uh, the, with Parks addition, you can see what this defense can become. And just imagine if they go ahead and add back Avanti Maddox and you start getting uh, Trevor Williams back and you start getting some of these pieces, you see you see the framework of what it could be. And I think that when you have a guy like Parks, that versatility that he brings, I think that secondary can trend up. Now, when it looks to the defensive line, it, it was like we, we didn't see that much pressure. They did a little more mush rushing and everything else. What, what did you think of the way that the defensive line played today? I, I mean, particularly Josh Sweat, Malik Jackson, and Brandon Graham were all over the field. I thought they all played very, very well. Malik Jackson ended up leaving the game with a quad injury. We'll see how serious that turns out to be. We didn't get any injury updates after the game, but we'll probably get a Monday morning. That's going to be a big press conference for a lot of reasons, especially because it's a short week. But it, look, I think Josh Sweat, I've, I've said it before, Josh Sweat is going to be on the national radar after this season. He is. It's just, it's a fact. Um, he's got three sacks through the season. He's starting to really improve against the run. He had three stops in this game. Uh, I thought Brandon Graham played with energy that was unparalleled by anybody in the first half. Uh, he really, really wants to turn this around. When you look at guys like Jason Kelsey, listen to him talk. You listen to Brandon Graham. Uh, you listen to Roddy McLeod. Those are three guys that have been around for a while. And they want to see this turned around because they know what it's like to turn things around. They're not panicking. Uh, and their play shows it. Um, you know, I think we need to talk about the linebacker group, okay? Uh, your guy, Sean Bradley, got to play a lot of snaps. Alex My Singleton. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Singleton was playing a lot more on defense. Davian Taylor, for some reason, was out there. He immediately came in the game and they gave up a touchdown. Um Look, they're they're not beholden to just a couple of guys with Duke Riley out of the lineup. They were mixing and matching packages. Uh, they did some four linebacker stuff. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, what, what did you take away from that group? I think it, when they started shuffling in, you saw the young guys. You saw Bradley and uh, Taylor come in there, and I thought they did. A, I think for the most part, when you saw the drive and the motor, you could see what they're doing. I think uh, Bradley, I think, played a decent, uh, had a decent game in the middle, play, started at middle linebacker. Uh, you saw he, he he was around, it seemed like he was around the ball. He, he didn't, I think he only recorded like one tackle, I believe. But he was around the ball and he was going ahead and he's making the right reach. He was shuffling and scraping to the right areas he was supposed to. Taylor, you can see that he was supposed to be a project coming in this year and he showed it. I mean, he, a couple of times, like he, he saw, uh, he, had, he had Nate Gary syndrome where he saw the back of his, uh, his jersey a couple of times, but. That's expected with the young guys, but I think I'm a little bit more encouraged that Jim Schwartz is actually blowing out and putting them out there and letting them go ahead and see this. Because I think right now with the crew that you did have when you had Duke Riley and A. Gary being your starters, you saw especially you saw some things that were left to be desired. And I think personally, I think I think Taylor is a better athlete, a more athletic linebacker than Gary and I think Bradley's a better linebacker than Gary as well too so getting those guys on the field I think could definitely help out in the long run there's still some stuff that has to be has to be changed they have to get on the same page when it comes to these read options because we saw Lamar Jackson just come out there and gashed them right in the middle but overall I thought it wasn't too bad now would you with TJ if TJ Edwards were to come back and you also have Duke Riley come, uh, were to come back as well too would you still play Bradley and Taylor as many minutes as you did today? 
Probably not, but I think Bradley definitely should be on defense. I think he's clear-cut, at worst, the third linebacker in this group. Um, you know, I think a, ba- a base situation of, of uh, Gary Edwards and Bradley makes sense moving forward. Uh, I think Singleton's done some good things in the running game. Not really terrific in the passing game, but, I mean, look, again, he, he didn't play defense for a whole year, so... I mean, he's kind of getting his feet under him uh, in that regard and playing those those minutes and everything like that. Um, Your guy, Singleton. <laughs> yeah, my guy, Singleton. Um, look, cornerback, they would really like to have Avante Maddox back. They moved Mills back to safety after two games at corner. Um, you had Nicole Roby Coleman and, and Craven LeBlanc kind of splitting that, that role as one of them moved inside, and they were kind of – trying to disguise coverage, but they were losing out to some bigger guys. Look, this team is not a very good third down team. That's the problem here. They got to get off the field. And um, I, I think when we look at this defense, you, you you find yourself saying, well, the defense isn't playing that poorly, but then they give up. I mean, they only gave up six of 16 third downs, but it just kind of feels like in those key moments, they're giving up on third down. You know what I mean? And it's like, even when they're third and long. Uh, and so I think, look, the Eagles have a lot of work to do, like you said, on both sides of the ball. Uh, the offensive line was absolutely atrocious. Uh, Jamon Brown, who was filling in for Matt Pryor at right guard, had maybe one of the worst games I've ever seen for an offensive lineman, especially a debuting one. First sack, the first play of the game, he gave up a sack to Clayus Campbell. Clayus Campbell had three sacks in the game. I believe all three were against Jamon Brown. On the second series of the game, Jamon had a full start. Uh, but, I mean, look, he, he was out of action for five weeks. Uh, was on a practice squad. Uh, you know, it wasn't ideal. But then again, it makes you appreciate Matt Pryor maybe a little bit more than you did. Uh, what's your take on the offensive line as it stands right now? Well, I'm I'm a little concerned right now as it's going on. We saw Jack Driscoll being uh, take, uh, walking, limping off the field. And it's bad enough you had Lane Johnson limping off, and now you have Driscoll limping off. Now you're stuck with Toth possibly, and you have to try hope. You're hoping that you get Johnson back or Toth, I mean, not Toth, uh, Driscoll somehow heals up on a short week against the Giants, which you really need this game. So it's a little worried that worrisome about that. Uh, Jamon Brown did have a bad game. There's no way you cannot sugarcoat that whatsoever. Even if you're an optimist, you cannot sugarcoat that. I mean, Kalias Campbell on one rush just threw him aside and on his way. Like he just tossed him like it was a rag doll on his way to wins. And you think, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, Pryor continues to test negative. He's going to be available for Thursday night. So that's going to be a good thing. One thing I did say, I, I, I thought I was uh, as impressive again. I thought the left side at offensive line did held it yeah. their own again for the second for a second straight weekend. You can see that the more and more they play together, the more and more they start to get used to it and, and feel each other's nuances and angles and everything else. So I think overall it's not it's not bad at all. Now, do you see any concerns if if you do have Lane Johnson coming back at about 60-70% and that ankle still going, would you put him in there against the Giants on Thursday night? See, my guess is is that they thought that he could play this weekend if needed, but given that the Ravens are an AFC team, they were heavily, you know, I don't want to say like they were playing to lose, but they were a heavily favored team and you're you're coming into a short week against a division rival where you know you have to win all your division games because that's the key, that's the golden ticket. 
I imagine that Lane Johnson was sat mainly due to the short week this week. Just like I think Deshaun Jackson's returning next week because it made more sense to bring him back against the Giants. This game in the grand scheme of things is not going to matter a lot because A, it was an AFC loss and B, the NFC East is absolutely atrocious. So I think looking at that and trying to think ahead, maybe that was the smart move. Um, What I will say is there are a couple of things. I want to do a small segment where uh, this, you may not have noticed this, but it's kind of a big deal. And uh, I noticed that the ball was kind of loose in this game. While they didn't, they only lost one fumble. Greg Ward fumbled both of his receptions uh, and both went out of bounds. Miles Sanders obviously fumbled when he hurt his knee. Um, You know, there were moments in this game where it just, it seemed a little too sloppy for comfort. And it's just something I want to keep an eye on. What's something that you noticed that stood out that you're a little bit concerned about that you think is probably a bigger deal than it's being played up to be? I think when it comes to the production you're getting out of a a Boston Scott right now, because we saw when it came to that two point play, when they were going to try to go ahead and try to go ahead and tie the game. And you see when he's running a little bit, I don't know if he's having trouble finding the holes. I don't know if he's having just having trouble. Like if defenses have caught on to his, his, his little nuances going at one, he has me a little bit concerned. And I, if, if the injury to, Miles Sanders is serious and you're looking to miss some extended time. You're looking at Boston Scott being a lead back, which we saw what happened against the Washington football team. You also have Corey Clement coming back, which looks, we saw what he did in the limited amount of snaps he had today. And it wasn't anything to write home about. And then we have the mystery guy who somehow still on the roster, but yet can't find his way on to, to play any snaps in Jason Huntley, where he, he's not even playing special teams. He only has one snap to his name. Uh, prior to uh, today, so I, it's something that's that running back position is going to have is going to be something that I'm really, really going to have to look at, especially heading into all these division games. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think um, <clears throat> when you look at this game overall, it was not great for the supporting cast. And what I mean by that is, yeah, you had a guy like practice squad tight end Jason Kroom catch a three yard touchdown. You had Jalen Hurts have his you know quartet of plays. You you saw Boston Scott in there. Uh, they trusted him on an RPO uh, two-point conversion at the end of the game, which looked like it was failing from the from the jump. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I mean, this overall this was not a very uh, great effort for the supporting cast. But then you turn around, you look at guys like Richard Rodgers having three catches for thirty-one yards once Zach Ertz leaves the game. You look at a guy like John Hightower bouncing back. You look at the impact that Jalen Hurts had in the running game, and it would not shock me if he gets a lot of run against the Giants on Thursday, mainly because I doubt that Miles Sanders plays with a knee injury on you know two or three days rest. So um, that's intriguing to me. I want to transition to some positive stuff because it does seem like just gauging social media, there was a lot of positive to come out of this. I thought Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson were both very positive in a way that they haven't been after previous losses. Uh, And it it felt earned, you know, it was earned positivity. It wasn't like, Hey, I'm just going to say the right thing. Um, So Travis Fulgham, 
let me let me lay this down for you. In three games, he has 18 catches for 284 yards and three touchdowns. Okay? You're probably sitting there thinking to yourself, wow, that's pretty impressive. Let me make it more impressive for you. Um, so I did some research. Carson Wentz has never had a three-game stretch with a wide receiver like this before. The closest thing I found was uh, Alshon Jeffrey's first three games of 2018. That was 18 catches for 218 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, so if you do the math there, that's what? Uh, 66 less yards. Um, but, you know, the touchdowns are similar. The catches are similar. So Fulgham is getting more yards per catch than the best stretch of Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey's relationship. Then there was a last year, there was uh, a stretch that was Buffalo, Chicago, Miami, and Alshon had 17 catches for 237 yards and a touchdown. But again, not the full Fulgham, as they call it, in my neck of the woods. Now, Ertz has had some performances like this. He had a three-game stretch last year of 20 catches for 288 yards and two touchdowns. Very impressive. Um, and then from week seven to week nine of 2018, he caught 27 passes for 309 yards and three touchdowns. That's the best three game stretch for Wentz with anyone. And it's a pretty crazy number. So Fulgham hasn't topped that, but you know, give him time. Uh, so look at this point, it's not a fluke. It's not a mirage. The kid is a baller. Um, what's your take on Travis Fulgham? I think I was I was as I was a little worried early on, and I can't wait to see the all twenty two to see if they were trying to do something. Well, I don't know if they were rolling a safety over to make sure they were. They therefore, were. okay, perfect, good. I'm glad 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 as see able to see that because they were trying to take him away. And I think Fogum, he's obviously earned the respect of Wentz. And one thing I like as looking back after a game is to see targets because. Especially in an offense like this, you know, the Eagles try to spread the ball around so they can't focus on one person and try to make it more tough for defenses to cover them. The fact that Fogum now actually had the same amount of targets as Ertz, they both had 10 targets today, it, he's completely and utterly earned Carson Wentz's trust and respect. I think he's earned uh, Doug Peterson as a play caller. I think he's earned his trust as well, too, and it's earned. I mean, he he's going in there when – when there's time, he's making contested catches, which is something we haven't seen in a while when it comes to his offense. He's going ahead when it comes to big moments. I mean, don't get me wrong. He he should have had – I can't believe saying this, but he should have actually caught that Hail Mary toward the end of the at the half. It was right in his hands. He, he should have had it. And that's one of the rare – I think he saw like two balls hit his hands he, this this game. And it's a rarity because you're, you're at the point now, you're like, oh, wow, I thought he would make that catch. You're expecting it. So – He's earned the right to stay on this roster, even with everything that's popping up there. I think he's earned the right to actually maybe have solidified a starting spot, especially if you're going against a guy like Marlon Humphreys during, and, and this Ravens secondary. He, he's definitely, definitely earned or earned that. But I just had a quick question. Like, besides Fulgham, and we saw Ertz go with Lampin off as well too, do you trust anybody else on this offense? With Sanders out, no. Like, that's the problem, right? It's like, eventually, if Ertz is out of the game, who are you bracketing, right? Who are you deciding to shut down? And it's like, look, Hightower bounced back here, but he's also dropped or poorly, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Poorly tracked, like, at least six deep balls. Like, that's bad. 
Like, to the point where we had to write an article about it because it was so glaring that his issue with tracking the deep ball is is just... Like, it's great. I, I remember talking to Maurice Jones-Drew about this before the season. Like, we were talking about how, like, the fast wide receivers could potentially open up lanes for Miles Sanders. And he told me this. He goes, you know, it's great if they can run fast, but nobody's going to show safety respect to young wide receivers till they start making plays. And, like, that's the thing. It's great if John Hightower can get down the field, but if he can't take advantage of busted coverage or if he can't take advantage of getting two or three steps on a guy, defenses aren't going to really care, and they're not going to respect him. And that's, in turn, going to make it harder for Zach Ertz. It's going to make it harder for Miles Sanders. It's going to make it harder for Travis Fulgham. Um, now, Deshaun Jackson is expected to come back. I trust him if he's healthy. Uh we also know that the Giants have a very long history against Deshaun Jackson. Uh, he is run amok on them pretty regularly. Uh, you know, Boston Scott also had his two, the two best games of his career. Uh, there was the Boston uh, TD party in week 17. And then he had uh, a really good game a few weeks earlier against the Giants. So those are two guys who have played historically well against them. But yeah, really, I mean, it's Fulgham. It's a Fulgham story. Uh, now, in, in positive news, uh, I don't know if they'll be back for this game against the Giants just because it's a quick turnaround, but Dallas Goddard and Jalen Rager are eligible to return to practice this week. They, I mean, if, if the Eagles so choose, they can also have them return against the Giants. I think that's a little optimistic, overly optimistic uh, and probably not putting them in the best position. I think what will end up happening is if Ertz is out, They'll promote Kroom to the main roster. Um, Richard Rodgers is going to have to be that guy. You're going to see a lot more 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, uh, and then three wide receivers. I like Greg Ward, but I also don't think he ever adds anything after the catch, and that's a big problem. It's the same thing that everybody complains about Zach Ertz with, but when you have a slot receiver who's supposed to have some sort of speed, it's difficult. So I'm wondering if they move Deshaun Jackson into the slot a little bit so they give you John Hightower and him on the same field with Fulgham, and then maybe that creates a bit of a stir across the middle. Uh, I, Deshaun's going to have to come out blazing. I mean, look, he, Deshaun reads social media. He knows what's going on. His mom reads social media. His family reads social media. They know what's up. If Deshaun Jackson wants to shut everybody up, Here's his opportunity now against the Giants, who are one in five, who have no business contending for the division, but here we are. And really, it, Deshaun needs to, he wants his legacy in Philadelphia to end on a positive note. These next 10 games, they're winnable. They are. You can easily go seven and three in these games if you're even above average as a team. And so let's get into that, okay? Um, look, I've got a story coming out on Monday where I kind of take you through uh, how they can kind of have another miraculous comeback. Look, this look, we, we've talked about it before. This team's been counted out time and time again. In 2017, they lost Carson Wentz, Jason Peters, Darren Sproles, Chris Maragos, uh, Jordan Hicks, the Ice Cream Man, uh, and some <laughs> like other like tangible pieces. And everybody thought that they were going to be underdogs. And everybody had them as underdogs going into the playoffs. Then the team rallies around Doug Peterson, rallies around Nick Foles. The defense plays well, and they turn it around. 2018, they get their butts whooped in New Orleans, the loudest stadium I've ever been in in my life. 
I thought my brain was going to explode. I think I referenced this like probably like four times a year. Uh, they lost by um, almost 40 points, I believe. Uh, and everybody ruled them off. And then they went five and one, won the division or snuck into the playoffs at nine and seven and won a playoff game. Then they ultimately lost to New Orleans again, but barely, like barely. Then last year, I wrote them off after the Dolphins lost. What did they do? Made me look foolish. Won four straight games, won the division. You know, this team, you just can't count them out, especially with how bad the NFC East is. What do you think they realistic? What's the record do you, that you think they realistically need to get to to win this division? Ask me if you ask me that about right now. I <laughs> the way looking at the bad this division is, it's about six. Wait till about tomorrow if the Cowboys do it right, it might be seven. But I think realistically, I think the eight the eight win team in this division is going to go ahead and claim it. I, I really wholeheartedly believe that because just with everybody's individual situations that are going on and looking back now, that tie is actually a very very helpful. And like, it's a I mean, it's a blessing at, and a curse. It's a blessing yeah. and a curse. It truly, it truly is. And looking at the the Eagles, I think they can they can take. I think they can win out the rest of these division games. They're, they 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 should be within. There should be no excuse for them not to be able to compete in any of these remaining division games. The Browns, I don't know. I mean, I, I know Baker was hurt today, but that offense against the way this Eagles defense is, that sec having Odell and Jarvis Landry go against the Eagles secondary, kind of kind of worries me a little bit. So I'm not going to say that one. We know the fits that the Seahawks give give the Eagles. I mean the Packers. I mean they they got beat pretty badly today, 38 to 10, I think, against the Bucks. So, but they're still going to be very formidable. I mean, and the Saints, for some reason, is, is it basically see Seahawks. It, it's just it's rough. The Saints are different outside that dome, but it, it's they still have the Eagles number for some reason. I just think the Eagles might get to seven. They may they had the potential to get to seven wins, but even then, I think it's still looking at. It's, I think they get to six somehow. It's just rough to seeing all the stuff they have. Even if they get the people back, it's just going to be rough to go ahead and make a run. They'll have a nice little run, I think, here in the middle. But seeing some of these future opponents, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not feeling, uh, feeling it. Now, do you think they're going to win this division? I do. Wow. Uh, I don't think it's for their best interest long term, but I do think they're going to win this division, and here's why: if they can go four and one in their division they'll have five wins on the season from there they really just need to win two outside of the division games i think the browns are beatable especially if baker's injured for a long you know for that game and then i think on top of that i'm not really afraid of new orleans drew Brees doesn't look as functional in the pocket their defense isn't very good um also, depending on what the weather is, I, remember, I was talking to our boss, Kevin, about this. And Kevin's like, well, if it's like 12 degrees in, in December, New Orleans doesn't travel well in, in cold weather. And I was like, that's a really good point. Um, I also think this is a lot younger of a team. I think they're going to be a lot more spry. Uh, you're seeing younger guys get playing time right now. Do we know if Jason Peters will be back soon? You and I debated about it on the last show. What Maybe not. I've seen three games of Jordan Melata starting and I'll be honest with you. I was a thousand percent wrong. I shouldn't have ruled him out. Uh, things went the way they were, but like, that's one of those ones where you're happy to admit you were wrong. Right. Yeah, um, that's true. And he's played really, really well. Uh, 
so it, at, at worst, you feel good about him as the long-term swing tackle, even if Dillard comes back and takes the job, whatever. Um, I think that's a huge win. Fulgham is clearly a huge win. That guy needs to be playing at least 50 snaps a game, in my opinion. So you can plan around Alshon Jeffrey otherwise, who looks like he's running in molasses in practice. Um, but like, I just don't, like looking at the Giants in, in Washington, there's so much turmoil on on offense. And, and like, the, de- the Giants' defense isn't very good. Like, I just don't know- see how you can lose to both of those teams more than once. Uh, I also don't see how you, I mean, look, Washington g- got away with one. They now have a new quarterback. Their, their offense is pathetic. Like, they, they just lost to the Giants. Um, look, the Cowboys are the real threat. They've been the threat the last four years. The only threat. And I think it's going to come down to what happens. They need to at least split that those Cowboys matchups to have a shot. Um, the two matchups that are daunting to me on paper are Green Bay and um, uh, Green Bay and Seattle. Seattle, yeah. Seattle's daunting, yeah. um, just yeah. because it's like the the hump you can never get over, right? Uh, I think they can beat Arizona. I think they can beat Cleveland. I think they can beat New Orleans. And those are the five non-division games. So you're looking at it. You know what you need to do. They have three division games in the next four matchups. Uh, Cleveland's kind of fit in there as the third matchup of those four. And then, you know, the Giants bookend those matchups with Dallas in the second week. Look, if they can beat the Giants and then Dallas before the bye week, you feel pretty good about yourself. You're three, uh, what is that? Three, four, and one. Then you have room to grow. Um, and this team has always been a second half team, um, at least for the last three or the last two years. Uh, and I think they'll rally. Uh, I, I mean, like, I'm normally the negative one of the two of us, which was a weird thing because I was normally the positive one of uh, when Zach and I were in tandem. <laughs> So it's been a little bit of, you know, growing. But um, look, I think the emergence of Fulgham is huge. They have not had a wide receiver like this. And he not only makes catches, makes contested catches, but he's getting the ball down the field. Uh, He's drawing penalties. Like, they did a really good – the Ravens did a really good job of taking him out of the game in the first quarter, and then they couldn't stop him. Uh, And he's winning against really good corners. Like, these aren't like – listen, the last three games he's played the 49ers, the – the Steelers and and the the Ravens, even if guys are injured, their defensive systems and their defensive schemes are very favorable to, to defensive backs. I like the guy's not a fluke. The dudes, I mean, if you're the lions right now, you must be just like scratching your head. What yeah. about green Bay, green Bay? Yeah. Like, you know, they couldn't even notice his brilliance either. I mean, it's, it, this is, he's the best story of the year so far. It's not even close. I mean, I think Jordan may is a great story too, but Think about this. If you're if you're an Eagles fan and you you've discovered this diamond in the rough, which I think Eagles fans really like finding those undrafted guys. You remember how people were about DeAndre Carter. You know how people are about Greg Ward. Well, Fulgham's basically both those guys on like steroids and pop rocks and monster energy drink, like all <laughs> in one. And I just think like, you know, a, 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 a quartet. I like using the word quartet. It's one of my favorite words. Uh, that's four, four guys, uh, of Fulgham, Rager, 
John Hightower and Quez Watkins is really, really, oh, and, and well, I guess if you want to make five, Greg Ward, you know, those five guys moving forward and growing together, that's great because I'm pretty sure you're going to spend a first round pick on a defensive end, a defensive tackle or a corner next year um, in theory, or maybe you're spending it on, you know, another tight end or whatever. But if you don't feel like you have to spend a number one pick on a wide receiver because you've already found Jalen Rager's tag team partner, that's huge. And I also think it speaks to uh, Aaron Moorhead, right? Like we need to give Aaron Moorhead a little bit of credit here. Uh, you know, John Hightower is a guy is like fits the model of a guy who would never succeed under the previous couple of co- uh, wide receivers coaches and he's out there and he's battling and yeah, he's making his mistakes, but he's working through them. And that 50 yard catch was great. It set up a touchdown and a two point conversion. So, you know, I think there's room for optimism here. I, I think Carson Wentz, we, we kind of, let's close on Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz is, is a polarizing figure. To me, Carson had a really rough first quarter. Uh, the fumble gave him his 11th of the season he leads the league in turnovers. Uh, it led to seven points. Like, that's pretty damning. If you're going to, you know, bless this dude for having a huge first fourth quarter, you also have to take away the value of giving up seven points early in the game. And I get it. Hightower had the huge drop. Miles Sanders had a drop touchdown that was perfectly thrown. But turning the ball over is magnified. And you as a former quarterback, I'm just curious how you feel about his performance overall in this game. Um, where do you think he still needs to improve? I won't fault him too much. I mean, let me start with the fumble. The fumble, definitely, I, I, he, it was definitely on him, especially with the way that this Ravens defense likes to go ahead and punch out the ball. They believe the league in uh, straight games with a turnover. Yeah, no, nah, you can. You always have to have two, even when you go down to, even when you go down to the ground, you always have to put two hands, especially around a team that likes to go ahead and poke their arms around. Yeah, you have to protect that ball. So th- there's no excuse on that. I thought it was better. He didn't throw an interception. Like, the point that we're at to the point, like, hey, he didn't throw an interception. Hey, that's good stuff. I thought he was better on that. Uh, I'm not going to fault him too much on, when it comes to his completion percentage, only because he was working behind that line, and it seems like one out of every – like. For a, for a period there, especially in the first half, it seemed like it was about like three or four straight plays where you just saw nothing but Ravens coming out the left and right. They were running delayed blitzes. They were running stunts. I thought I saw a zone blitz at one point, but, but which it, they were just running blitzes, exotic blitzes, everything else to confuse that line. And he was just getting hit over and over and over again. I would have liked to see him do better on third down early on. I mean, they finished the game with a 25%, three for 12, which is excusable. It, completely excusable, but I think he he battled and his deep ball. I mean, the biggest big knock that was on him is he can't throw the deep ball. He can't throw the deep ball. He just even though he just floated it up there a couple times when he was facing all out pressure and had zero blitzes, he did all right. He did he he, he did what he's supposed to do. You throw the ball, you know where your receiver's going to go. Throw it up there. You have a receiver that can, in Fogel that can go up there and go catch the ball or, or or contest for it. Just go ahead and give him a chance, and he did that. And I think the the big key is he was clutched on. Toward the end of that game, he go ahead. He let him down all the way back to within a two point conversion, which Doug should have. I mean, I, I like Doug being aggressive, but that was not when it was sixteen seven. wasn't the right time to go ahead and do that. But that's a whole other argument. So I, I can't fault him too much. I, if I had to give him a grade myself, I'd actually give him a B. I give him a B minus today. I really would. That fumble killed him, and it. 
I think it, it will look back on anything ultimately cost in the game. But I thought he did all right. I mean, do you think he's finally turned the corner? Do you think he's actually starting to look like the Carson Wentz of old? See, I'm like a little bit more critical. I think I would give him maybe a C. I, I really thought it was a tale of two halves. I mean, they needed to bring in Hertz to give them a spark. They needed him to like he 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 didn't convert a new set of downs until late in the second quarter. And I get it. The offensive line was not good and there were drops, but like he's supposed to be a franchise quarterback. And I get it. Like everybody's going to say, well, you can't, you know, you can't fault him for his offensive line, but they knew the offensive line was going to be like this. Like I, I'm not going to go to the play calling then. Right. Well, yeah, I guess that's fair too. Um, but I was noticing guys getting open. Maybe they weren't in his progression. Again, I'm not like harping on this. Um, you know, I think he has been, if you look at his entire season as a whole, he's been mediocre. Um, maybe that's too harsh of a word for this game. I thought he was uneven and inconsistent. I thought the Eagles got very, very lucky with some, uh, roughing the passer calls. They got very lucky with some PI calls, as you would mention, um, there were some questionable calls here where breaks went their way and they still couldn't take advantage. Um, look, I, I think it says a lot about a team when they have to put the ball in another quarterback's hands when they're struggling. And yes, Carson once wasn't benched. Uh, he shouldn't have been, but like the spark that started this turnaround was Jalen hurts, even though they didn't score on that final drive where he was very active it did finally get some momentum and chemistry going. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think he needs to improve with his vision. I mean, it's hard when when you're constantly pressured. Uh, it's look his his stat line isn't great. He completed fifty two percent of his passes. Again, offensive line was terrible. Um, but I think when we look at this game as a whole, it's going to be a, a, a tale of cool. He played really well for the final five minutes of the third quarter. He had an incredible fourth quarter um, and he overcame the odds. But the fact of the matter is he cannot start games and it's become very difficult for this team to contend when it only, when they only win, when things break their way. The fact of the matter is of course that this team has not won a game where they haven't won the turnover battle. And when your quarterback is turning the ball over at the rate that Carson Wentz is turning the ball over, you're not going to win a lot of games. And so that's obviously the main thing. Look, he stopped his, his brutal interception streak uh, at, at five straight games. That's, that's encouraging. But he's got to keep it up. He's got to have more awareness. He's got to be able to throw the ball away. This game was difficult. You had a really good defensive front and a really poor makeshift offensive line. Jason Kelsey's his only starter. But I don't think it absolves him of complete blame. The fumble was completely on him. He did miss Zach Ertz quite a few times high. Um, there was still that inaccuracy. And so I think he just needs to continue to work on it. Uh, and I'll continue to get bashed on Twitter, I guess. <laughs> Twitter, like the social media world, man, it's, it's a lot of fun stuff. It's great. It's, it can be used. I've gotten a lot stuff. of bad emails too, but you know, what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> and then when I, and then when I try to be positive, I'm like, Oh, in positive news, Dallas Goddard and Jalen Rager will be eligible to return from injured reserve this week. And then some jerk goes, that's not news. News would be if you told us that they were returning. Not necessarily. It's news that they are eligible. That's new. 
Uh, anyway, whatever. I'm not going to get into just, just, just embrace the positive. Embrace the positive. So right. I'm trying come to, over to my Come over to my look, side sometimes. It's okay. I can, again, <laughs> I can criticize Carson Wentz. I thought he was uneven and inconsistent. Uh, I think as a whole, during the season, for the most part, he's been mediocre. His numbers indicate that. Um, you know, I have no problem saying, like, he's been a beast on the run. That 40-yard run was one of the gutsiest runs I've ever seen for a quarterback. Um you know, but he also tossed a touchdown pass that probably should have never happened with Fulgham. Um, they did lo- get that pass interference call that really helped him out in the game. Like, this wasn't like a complete like turnaround on his own where he picked them up. Like, he had a great fourth quarter, but the f- reality of the situation was he was part of the reason why they were trailing for most of the game. That turnover was huge. You know, so... Uh, I mean, Chris, give me your final thoughts. Cause we're actually running longer than we normally do. Drink a lot of coffee and get ready for the giants. Oh, you know what? I'll give this one. People love, hate to see the punter go on the field. I'll give Cameron Johnson some love. Oh hey, my God. He's been, he has been, he has been absolutely terrific. He yeah, had a 60s. bad, he had a rough punt today that looked like it was going to be awful. It ended up landing outside on the 25 yard line and turned out to be a pretty good punt. Like there are people in the press box that were like, Ooh, wow. That looks like a terrible punt turned out working out pretty well. But like, yeah, Cam Johnson, shout outs to cam. Yeah. Um, oh, oh no. Yeah. 66 yard. Yeah. 66 yard one. And he flipped a field as well too. Cause Lord knows they didn't get to get the defense. He actually gave the defense uh some breathing room a couple of times as well, too, instead of having a poor field position. So I think you never want to see the – the only time to, you're, you're, anybody's ever glad to see the punter come on the field is when they actually go in a hole for a field goal or an extra point. That's it. So the, at the rate he's doing, he's doing a good job. So uh, I'll, I'll give him – go on that one. I'll end, that's how I'll end on a positive note for that one, too. I'll give love to the punter. There you go. Well, <laughs> if you're going to do that, then I'm going to shout out Super Bowl champion Rick Lovato, who had two tackling assists on special teams today. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> So uh, here's who I want to praise kind of towards the end. Malik Jackson. So Malik Jackson had a a really impressive third down sack on Malik Jack or on too many Jacksons. So Malik Jackson had a, an impressive sack on Lamar Jackson that forced the uh, Ravens to punt, which everybody in the press box was surprised about. They thought that Justin Tucker, the goat was going to kick a long field goal. Cause that's what he does. Um, I just think Malik Jackson's played really well, and he actually just registered his first full sack of the season in this game. Uh, I know the numbers don't show it, but I think Malik Jackson is having an absolutely awesome year. Brandon Graham's halfway to 10 sacks. He just, I believe, passed Hugh Douglas on the all-time list. I think now he's in fifth, fourth or fifth place on the Eagles' all-time sack list. Uh, Brandon Graham's wanted 10 sacks his entire career. That's like a very, you know low-hanging fruit storyline for this season uh it would be pretty cool to see him get it because this could be his last campaign in philadelphia so wow that was we we said a lot in this podcast um we did (laughs) quite a bit um and we've got a busy night ahead of us we're gonna you know curl up in our uh, computer chairs and write some more but anyway uh remember you can sign up for eagles extra the tech service on nj.com slash text uh, free two weeks you can follow the us during the nfc east battles over the next two weeks for free and you can chat with chris and myself also 
Um, remember to download the No Huddle Show podcast wherever podcasts are available. You get to hear Chris's uh, wonderful voice on a regular basis. I think that's been a huge asset over the whiny voices of both Zach and myself. So when and do I Venmo you for that comment? I don't know. I thought the, I thought the, che- I thought the check was already in the mail. Anyway, uh, for Chris and his great voice and myself, we appreciate you tuning into the No Huddle Show podcast. We appreciate Chris laughing at my terrible jokes um, because my wife's tired of doing it herself. We'll um, I got talk- the Venmo for that. Oh, I should know. We normally have the podcast on Thursday. We'll do a podcast on Wednesday just to kind of shake it up a bit, uh, just because it is a short week. Um, So, yeah, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Look out for the podcast. Download us. Did I just say download us? Uh, Download us. Anyway, this has been been a long one. It's 10 (laughs) o'clock. Have a great night, guys.